Wave pool technology is progressing at a rapid rate as commercial surf parks open up all around the world. I'm your host, Brian Dickerson, editor at Wave Pool Mag. And together we'll explore this amazing new landscape by talking to the dreamers, developers, engineers, and everyone making this space happen. These are the personalities who are defining the breadth and scope of artificial wave making today. Welcome to the Wave Pool Mag podcast. Brandon Lowry is the interim CEO at USA Surfing, the definitive amateur organization for surfing in America. With experience working with Greg Weber and also BSR Surf Resort, he's had wave pools at the forefront of his mind for more than a decade now. In this episode, we explore not only how wave pools can better team America, but what it means for surfing in the big scheme of things. Brandon, thank you very much for coming on the show today. I'm excited to be here. Thanks for having me. Brandon Lowry, what is your your title at USA Surfing? I'm Brandon Lowry, and I currently serve as the interim CEO of the organization. Before we we jump into that, let's get some background on you. There are a lot of people I I talked to. I think Ian Karen said, oh, yeah, Brandon, he was, I I know him when he was in Australia. So tell us about your background. Where, how did you grow up around action sports? Yeah, long story short, so I'm originally from North Carolina, played very competitive soccer and tennis. I also skate and ride a snowboard and surf and ride a mountain bike and dirt bike and things like that. Everything. Yeah, I got put in a high-performance sports academy down in Florida at the IMG Academy for soccer and the Nick Bolletieri Academy for tennis. And I was with the U.S. national team, and that sent me to France to play and then England to play, and then I came back to play collegiate sports in South Carolina. Got the opportunity to play higher level soccer after college, moved to Australia, broke my leg in the skate park, in a wheelchair for a couple of years, career ending. And uh, I always wanted to be a professional board sport athlete, but I didn't make it as that. I made it as a different type of athlete, but all my best friends and buddies are pro board sport athletes. So being a deep, passionate, you know, byproduct of action sports, I had a unique catapult into the industry from a different angle and so i've been working in the surf skate snow industry yeah since i was about 21 starting in australia now i'm 37 yeah and and so you spent some really like formative time around australian board sports australian surf culture and then coming you know being here being american you don't have the aussie accent obviously yeah I know there's a difference in uh, pro- professionalism for sports in Australia, board sports or surfing in particular compared to the U.S. Could you could you draw on some of those comparisons that you've seen, how the U.S. approaches and deals with surfing compared to maybe some of the Australian infrastructure for amateur surfing? Yeah, well, I've always been, a again, a, a byproduct of sport and then I had to opportunity to go to Australia. I've been there plenty of times to visit. And then I got the 
I moved there and I lived there for, yeah, close to 15 years. Sports, part of the religion, part of the culture in Australia Mm -hmm. and surf's part of the fundamentals of sport. You know, you grow up as nippers on the kids living living close to the coast and access to the surf and surf culture is just part of everyday life. Uh, kind of like baseball here, here in the United States. So okay. surf being a deep, you know, deeply woven in the fabric of the Australian culture. I lived in a little town called Manly Beach, which is in Sydney, Australia. I lived a block back from the beach. I'd surf, you know, a couple times a day. There was always waves somewhere on the northern beaches. And um, yeah, I just got the luxury of being deeply ingrained in the industry. A lot of the surf industry is based in Sydney, in a little town called Brookville. I had an injury. So I got to spend a lot more time on the business side of the mm-hmm. industry. Mm-hmm. And um, it's been super kind to me. I've done a lot in the skate industry. I've done a lot in the surf industry. I was very involved in an early surf pool venture with a guy named Greg Weber, uh, with Weber, Weber mm-hmm. Wave Pools. And that's kind of where my wave pool, surf pool involvement started back in 2008, 2010, when we started with wave pools. So I'm kind of dating myself in the surf pool industry. Yeah, yeah, that's that's fascinating, Brandon, because uh, Greg Weber has this kind of mythical status out there. Few people have, like, few people have actually dealt with him in the wave pool creation drawing yeah. process or whatever. I'm I'm gonna jump in and and steer away from our our set questions to ask you ask you about Greg Weber. What was that like? Oh, unbelievable. I mean, Greg's a magician and a wizard and there's only one Greg Weber. And I had, again, the privilege of working side by side with Greg for, I'd probably say six plus years, like in the trenches with Greg, trying to, um, you know, do the due diligence and the R&D to create the surf pool category and to reimagine mm-hmm. surf tech. And uh, mm-hmm. we made a lot of progress. Uh, I'm a big fan of Greg's. I believe in his passion and I adopted some of his conviction. I know okay. he's still deep in the lab, creating and designing. I hope to see one of his projects come to fruition sooner than later. But um, I'm grateful to Greg for giving me a chance, you know. And okay. since Greg, I've had a pretty exciting journey from mm-hmm. Webway Pools to being part of the team that bought BSR mm-hmm. to now CEO of USA Surfing and being involved in surf pools internationally from Portugal to Japan to the United States to Mexico. I'm really excited about where it's going. So I thank Greg for, you know, the initial opportunity. Okay. Okay. So, so after spending time with Greg, you kind of got into it. You saw where this could go. You're kind of the perfect hybrid between wave pools and, (laughs) and uh, structured surfing. Yeah. I mean, yeah, obviously, you know, traditional Orthodox in the ocean surfing, is not going to be replaced by surf pools. I think it's a compliment and a new field of play and a new opportunity. I think surf pools enable progression and performance. It also assists in recovery, you know? So there's a lot of different value propositions, in my opinion, that a surf pool and wave pools offer the industry, the community, the culture. I don't prioritize one over the other, but um, I do think that there's a way to democratize access and all of those romantic and practical approaches when it comes to the utility of a surf pool. But I still, I mean, naturally, obviously, I hope it's obvious that traditional surfing in the ocean, still traditional surfing in the ocean is not going to be replaced by a surf pool. It's just a different opportunity, just a different field to play. But 
you know, it's all staying sideways. Yeah. What, you know, there's so much talk about the technical aspect, like, oh, you can practice errors and get everything down. And that's kind of dominated the conversation beyond the practice aspect of it. Where do you see wave pools contributing to, to organized surfing? I know you guys did an Olympic training yeah. that involved other things like uh, nutrition and uh, rest and, and such. Can you, do you want to jump into that a bit? I mean, we see it now. There's obviously the, the, the opportunity to learn airs and new maneuvers and radical tricks, et cetera, you know, in the surf pool. But I don't know if there's a lot of attention given to the recovery side of it right? The coaching side of it, right? The judging side of it, the, the, the replay, you can videotape it, you can film it. Again, you can empower and educate not just the surfer, but the parent and the family, the audience, your friends. Coaches get a lot of leverage from having an athlete train and utilize a surf pool. Judges can be made more familiar and aware and, and, and you can create a whole pipeline of, you know, just the entire ecosystem by utilizing a surf pool. It's not just for the surfer, perhaps in my point of view of looking at it. So I also see surfing again, everybody said it, a surf pool, given the conditions of pricing, location, whatnot, you know, it, it, it does unlock opportunities for more people to participate and try it. Right. And then there is the economic development side of the technology and the amenity itself. So I do believe that surf pools and surf tech create these economic derivatives that benefit communities and the developer and the, you know, the city or the metropolitan or whatever the region. So I, I'm, I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm a deep believer in seeing more of these surf pools open up. I think people are starting to reimagine their utility and their positioning. They're not just a surf pool just for core surfers, right? There's a lot of auxiliary and complementary businesses that are being birthed around the surf pool is a centerpiece. So I think that the surf industry and the action sports industry and this whole lifestyle sports culture is going to continue to blossom because of the innovation that's in the surf tech. So I'm, I'm really excited to see where it goes. I think it's going to debunk a lot of myths, right? I think it's going to unlock a lot of economic opportunity. I think it's going to empower a lot of people. I think there's always going to be controversial conversations because that's just the nature of the human species. <laughs> but Net net, I think is tremendously positive. Okay, yeah, there's there is a lot going on in uh, where where we'll see this this blossom, where it will go, and that seems to be happening all over in uh, other countries. Any place with organized surfing is basically looking at pools and looking at their contributions. If you had to to pick a, a nation that is on the leading edge of this, Switzerland, Australia, Japan. Have you seen anything that you're just like, ooh, they're doing it right, you know? <laughs> we should do that, or oh, that's a great idea. Is there someone you kind of got your your finger pointed at going, yeah, that's, that's who's doing it? On, on the leading edge of building surf pools or organizing surfing or... Organi yeah, taking organized surfing and incorporating them with wave pools, with training for their athletes, with building up surfing NGOs, you know, around yeah. a pool. Which so, which so I think you brought up a good point. I think, uh, I mean, I think your frame is like organized sport. Part of my narrative, and I get on my soapbox and preach occasionally, people will tell you, 
I'm a deep believer that we're building and developing athletes and athletes who surf and athletes who skate and athletes who snowboard, not just a bunch of surfers or a bunch of skateboarders, like they're athletes, right? And those who respect it as such invest in training tools, recovery assets, organized practices and training and coaches, et cetera. So I think you're going to see a lot more of these surf pools pop up for two different reasons. The community slash culture who really believes in the athlete, I think they're going to create new opportunities and environments to help athletes thrive, right? Either at a progressive performance level and or recovery to get back to performance level and development. And or you're going to see these surf pools pop up in communities and cultures that celebrate and respect lifestyle sports in general, particularly if they're development focused and real estate thoughtful. I think you're going to see the areas that have athletes and or real estate minded communities blossom faster. So I don't know if that's going to happen in France or Portugal or Africa or China or the United States. But Mm -hmm. there are hotspots that you can frankly identify just through looking at it from a sports lens and then looking at it from an economic development tied to real estate. But the punchline is that I think it's going to continue to go north, probably like a bottle rocket. It might not be a straight shot to the moon, but it's Mm -hmm. definitely going in the right direction, in my opinion. Okay. that's So you had mentioned earlier that you were involved in BSR. Was that the first opening part or was that the second transition? And would you want to share what that experience was like? I mean, you've, you've got your, your boots on the ground for wave pool, <laughs> surf park life. Could you share that? I with think everybody, listeners? if they don't, they should know the name Stuart Parsons, right? Stuart's the guy who yeah, had yeah. the dream and then bought a tractor and built this thing. It's a fascinating property. I'm super lucky to have been brought into that project through a good friend, Tony Finn, who's also in the circle industry, right? I was um, part of the team that sourced all the capital for the acquisition. We took it over in 2019 and been running it ever since. I am no longer involved in it anymore. I stepped out of it back in April of this year. But uh, my time on the ground, the opportunity to develop programs, to bring athletes out, musicians out, artists out, people who don't surf, people who surf all the time, other athletes from different disciplines, different people from different cultures. The things I learned on that property, knowing that it's a 500 acre estate, 501 acres. I'm not sure if everybody knows that or if you've been out there and seen the rest of the, you know, the property, but it was a tremendous learning curve for me. I'm super grateful to have been involved in it. I think the team running it now is a fantastic group of guys. I've known, you know, super well. I think they've really created a fantastic case study to what the future could look like. I know there are um, a lot of other products internationally that have taken notes from what BSR slash Waco Surf has created. Super inspirational, all by fundamentally the founder, Stuart Parsons. You know, he had a, he had a, he had a, he had a vision and a dream and committed to executing it. So, yeah, there's been a lot of good things, all things of educational and something to learn from. And um, it's exciting to have been part of that history, you know, from the Weber days to like building skate parks with the boys at California Skate Parks internationally, Josie and Bill Minadio and Brian Harper and those guys on to BSR and taking that project to the next level. And then all the other developments that are happening internationally. It's, it's a it's a it's a it's a fantastic ride. And I'm grateful for it. So on this ride, when you jumped in, when you were on board, you're you're just going 90 miles an hour. And what 
Is there something that kind of sticks out with you, like something that totally surprised you that you weren't maybe prepared for in in the surf park, running an acquisition of a surf park, like something, oh, I never thought of that. Maybe you can provide some kind of insight for our listeners. A lot of our listeners are people who will go on to develop wave pools and surf parks. So yeah. that kind of shared information is is really helpful. Is Was there something that just kind of surprised you? So I'm not an operator, period. Mm-hmm. I'm, you know, I'm, I'm, not a, I'm not a general manager. I'm not an operator. I don't aspire to be one. I'm more of a put deals together, not a deal junkie, but I like to put deals together and create value propositions and yeah, grow the enterprise value. So for me, I think, not I think, for me, the most impressive part of the project was the diligence and the consciousness around the standard operating procedures. Right. It's all the safety protocols. It's all the risk mitigation strategies, you know, marketing and sales and programming. That's all rad and fantastic. That's the sizzle and the fireworks. and Everybody's excited to see what gets published on social and all those other different platforms. But a lot of people, I'm not sure because I'm not in all those conversations, but I wouldn't want people to undervalue the diligence that goes in the standard operating procedures and how important it is to make sure you have a well-organized staff high quality people, the importance of hospitality, right? We had a great team to support us, which is select contracts, Chris Sutton, you know, the team at Waco Surf, they're all, you know, vets of real estate and hospitality management. I got to see it. I was in the weeds with it, you know, and then having the privilege of stepping out and visiting other properties and learning from the Hard Rock Hotel Collective, running from international like BlackRock and all these other bigger institutions that that manage hospitality assets, the risk mitigation strategies, the standard operating procedures, the back office, the general management, that's probably all obvious to a lot of your listeners who are from a traditional management background. I'm not from a traditional management background. I'm from more of the front end program design partnerships, marketing side of things. So to be front row and center to really understand how to manage a mixed-use asset. I got a lot of inspiration from the boys who are doing a really good job of that that property, considering all the variables and liabilities that show up at a destination resort like that. Okay. So within your... Can you talk about any uh, new deals you have going on? Is there something in the works or where you would like to go next? It's not really new deals for me. I'm excited to see this cohort of entrepreneurs and developers lean more into the category and create more facilities and programs for those who are passionate and or frankly new to the sport. There are a lot of exciting initiatives out there. I'm excited to see some of the residential projects that integrate surf pools to their community mix. I'm excited to see more of the younger generation lean into and accept and adopt and frankly expect access to surf pools (laughs) because they understand how it can impact the trajectory of their performance and career, right? We just took our junior team out to Waco for a training session that was supported by Microsoft and it was a fascinating exercise. Our coach got a lot of value in it. The athletes got a lot of value in it. We also brought some older crew with this shout out to a guy named Don Rady. He's, I don't know, Don's probably 62 and he serves better than 95% of the people on the planet, you know? So it, it, it's just really interesting to see 
the different demos and ages and athlete at different levels of performance come together in the surf pool. It also happens in the ocean, but just that platform of a surf pool just empowers more laps, you know, more reps, more turns, more opportunity to get better, more opportunity to understand, more opportunity to get a little more nuanced and fine-tuned. So um, I'm just excited to see more come, 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 come to the surface. That's, that's huge. There's a, we just worked on a story about uh, we visited Wave Park in Korea, and there's uh, most of Korean surfers are on longboards because the conditions are so fickle there. But since Wave Park opened up and people are going to the wave pool regularly, there's been a strong push for shortboarding. Yeah. So everyone's transitioning to shortboarding and it's happening really, really quick. So with in, in regards to surf parks and wave pools in communities and changing communities, you know, changing developments and such, what do you see as the most, like if you had to pick one thing that a wave pool, a surf park can do for an area that doesn't have a surf or beach culture, say we're in St. Louis. Yeah. I always pick on St. Louis for some reason. Yeah. You know, a surf park goes there. What would you s- predict as like the first kind of transition in terms of people embracing surfing? Yeah, I think there's a couple yeah, I think there's a couple layers of that. I think um A, it's going to build a lot of awareness because if you bring surf to a community that doesn't you know, at an anthropological level historically have surfing as part of their culture, it's going to be like, huh, okay, this is interesting. Let's pay attention. Let's figure out what happens here next, right? So and there's a whole awareness campaign that's going to naturally unfold by introducing the sport based on this facility to a new community that's not traditionally familiar with it, A. B, I unequivocally believe that it's going to have an influence on economic growth. Like, I'm just a deep believer in community assets, whether they're private or public or a blend of both. I think this amenity is going to influence the economic performance of a community and a culture, frankly. I just, I'm a deep believer in that. I'm long and bullish on that side of the real estate equation. And then I'm truly and deeply excited about the athlete who can do both well. They can surf and they can skate. They can play baseball and they can surf. They can play soccer and skate and surf. But for me personally, I'm tremendously excited to see more of that dual surf skate athlete or that surf skate snow athlete. That one athlete, you got, you got, you know, you got like the Keegan Palmers who got gold at the Olympics and skateboarding. The kid rips. Hamana Reynolds rips. Jordan Barrett rips, you know what I mean? Like there, there, there are current capables. There's a, like, there's so many of these kids, Scott Brown, and there's a bunch of Groms who are under nine, who you probably never heard of that will blow you out of the water. And then they'll do backside areas over you on a skate park. Like they're just ridiculously talented. And that's just exciting because of access to different, you know, facilities. So you got skate parks and they got surf pools and you got kids who skate really well going to the surf pool. They're doing maneuvers on a surfboard that took a different generation, 13 years to even like fathom, right? So I think it's going to unlock a lot of potential. What happens with that potential is kind of up to be determined in the future, but notwithstanding, the field of play is making everything a little more exciting economically, commercially, at a real estate community level, and at the athlete level. So I'm a, I'm a fan of surf tech and surf pools, the right product for the right development, but notwithstanding, yes, yeah, it's, it's, things are about to get more interesting than they already are. Okay, so let, let's go into that. You skate, you surf, play soccer. Surfers tend to think they're special. <laughs> we just <laughs> we just do. It's like we grew up with this great thing and, and we love it. Having done other sports, 
do you think surfing, you know, th there's been some talk I've heard people say, oh, surfing makes you a better person. Surfing makes you an environmentalist. Yeah. Do you subscribe to any of any of that? Do you think surfing is a bit different than uh, than skateboarding in that regard? I mean, I think you use the word like do you subscribe to that belief system. I'm not here to say people should or shouldn't. I'm not here to say it's right or wrong. <laughs> oh, I, come on. I'm a, yeah, I'm a, I mean, I'm a believer. I recognize how privileged I've been, you know, and mm -hmm. surf and surf culture is a huge part of my personal belief system. I've become a lot more cognizant and aware of a lot of different things because I've had the good fortune of spending 20 plus years on a surfboard and mm -hmm. my first love was my skateboard, you know, and mm -hmm. I'm a believer in board sport culture. So I think there's a better living through board sports, that whole mantra, right? That's just me because it's taken me around the planet. I'm, I'm a big believer in culture first, you know, there's sport and some sports have seasons and there's competitiveness and different things that come with traditional sports. I'm a big fan of, I'm a byproduct of it, but I'm a, I'm a deeper believer in culture and community. Through my experience, board sports, specifically surf and skate and snow board sports have made me a lot more cognizant and grateful because I've been privileged to travel the world and go to a lot of places that most people wouldn't go or wouldn't have the desire to go or may never even heard of because I'm going to go chase swell or go ride a new mountain or skate a spot. And that's kind of opened my perspective to the world, right? Like I got to show up with good vibes. I got to leave places cleaner than they were when I got there. I got to respect local. I got to communicate effectively. I have to be grateful and thoughtful. It's not my town. You know, you can, I got to be, I just got to be a little more aware and, 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 and patient and thoughtful and conscious. And I think that's what the board sport cultures taught me. So I can appreciate surfers having a point of view that they feel they have a different point of view on life because of the experiences they have. And I'm not going to deny or endorse that. I know for me, I've had a really good experience, you know, my 37 years on the planet. And frankly, I attribute it to sport and then at a more nuanced level, board sports. So I do think we look at it differently. A skater looks at the whole world as a skate park. The surfers recognize trash and pick it up off the beaches because that's their playground and they're, you know, protective over it. Can that have a double-edged sword with this little, you know, self-righteousness perhaps? But I think it's not coming from a place of malice. I think it's coming from a place of consciousness, just depending on how you express it, right? So in this conversation, you're, I, I saw you at Surf Park Summit yeah, and you you were speaking there and and that was great. Everyone in the same area to to get together and and just share ideas. What did you come away from that experience attending two days of, of meetings? What did you what did you come away with? What was your impression of the summit? Yeah, so I'm 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 lucky to have been one of the keynote speakers at the very first summit. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like okay. back in 2014 or 16 or something like that up in Laguna Beach. I was with Web Waypool. I was with Greg Weber. And so we presented, you know, this vision called the compound and the smart park and surf pool vision and all that type of jazz. And I mean, we were early, right? Those were early days. So to see it this past October, it's clearly come a long way. Then there were no surf pools of this new era, right? And now there's a handful of them and a lot of motivated developers and entrepreneurs and capital market players who are paying tremendous attention to the space. And so for me, I've seen the level of education 
the intelligence, again, the conscious architecture on how to not just build pools, but where to build them and how to build them and how to program them, and how to develop them, and how to finance them. So it's come a long, 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 long way from my point of view, because I've been in it from the early stages, respectfully, right? And it's just exciting that there is a lot of conviction out there in the community now, in the marketplaces, with sincere intentions, with qualified developers and sponsors who are putting real capital at risk because they believe in the category itself. So that's, for me, interesting to sit back and kind of fly on the wall, watch it, right? And I'm grateful to still be part of the conversation. Okay. And and being in this conversation, you've been there since, yeah, the early days. You've seen it evolve. So much has changed. You're, you've, my goodness, you're, you're like from every angle, from the <laughs> athlete angle to the investment angle to the running angle. You're, that's, that's really complete within wave pools. What is something that you feel that might be missing out in the conversation? Like uh, you went to Surf Park Summit, you got to see everyone address different, do different panels and, and talk and share ideas. Do you see anything missing in the space right now that you would like to contribute or add? Something we can think about going into next year? No, I think, um, I think the hack to success in this category is just a little more patience, right? I, I appreciate the whole community staying authentic around the vision, the conviction's only gotten stronger. The momentum's become more swift. It's happening, right? I think that there's still a little bit of work to do on the due diligence side as it relates to how to package and frame and finance these type of projects, right? I still think there's a little work to do on the traditional orthodox capital market side of things. They just probably need a couple more touch points. They need some more history on a PL. They just really need to understand the risk profile and the seasons of the economic performance at a real estate and a capital markets perspective. I think the user base is being validated and has been validated and continues to be validated based on engagement and occupation and pricing, right, at all the surf parks that exist currently. I think it's a testament to the players like the Wave Gardens and the Whitewater West and the American Way Machines and you know the Swells and 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 all the all the all the tech companies who are really investing their time, resources, and capital, their own money, other people's money, to keep the category alive, to continue to value engineer their designs, to be flexible and cooperative with the developers, to really be engaged and active at the community and an entitlement level with the local politicians and and, and, and stakeholders. So I think that we can't be confused by the timing of all this because when it blows up, it's going to blow up in a really big way. I think it already has blown up in a really big way. And I think that more and more people are starting to recognize the trajectory of where this is going. And we'll soon see this surf pool no longer as a myth and a risky technology. I think a lot of the technical risk is now being, has now been you know worked out. There's not a lot of technical failure risk at the technology level. And now it's a function of understanding the equation as it relates to capital markets, expected returns, environmental impacts, how to get the non-endemic stakeholders to understand the value and the risk mitigation strategies for what's being developed. Frankly, not as many people 
are familiar with serve pools and serve tech or the business models and the economic pros and cons of these projects, particularly those who currently run communities and cities and the politicians. And that's not their fault. They're a product of their time. And so now these things are coming online and more people are trying to pay attention. So there's more case studies. And then over time, more people start to adopt it and understand and be a little more flexible and open-minded, not saying they're closed-minded, but just open, even further open-minded to what's coming around the corner and hopefully they'll endorse it. Yeah. So so would you see the potential for wave pools maybe replacing skate parks in no, some uh, situations? Absolutely not. No? No. I, think you'll have, I think you'll have more skate parks with the growth of surf pools. You're not replacing skate parks. Like this is a different asset. It's a different product. It's a different economic you know, line item, like this is totally different. I think it complements it. I think you're probably going to see more skate parks as more surf pools open because the cultures continue to grow and get bigger. And again, if you surf, you probably skate. If you skate, you probably try surf and not always the other way around. Not all surfers skate, but a lot of skaters would try surf. So there's definitely a relationship between those two, but I don't think surf pools are going to replace skate parks. I think surf pools are going to empower the development of more skate parks. And I think more skate parks are going to develop and empower the development of more surf parks because that whole lifestyle sport category is growing and therefore the facilities support that demographic are going to continue to be attracted to it so that's where i see the industry going more participants equal more facilities equal more surf pools more skate parks more culture more money more industry and i think it can all be rationalized all right so so let's flash forward uh 20 years and 20 years from now it, it is surfing and skating on the same level as like baseball, football? I think it already is. Okay, I'm glad you said that. I love to say it's, the, the the Olympics was a great case study. First year in the games, but had tremendous viewership in surf and skate. Skate finished fourth in the most viewed program. Snowboarding won. Surf was seventh or ninth internationally because you got to think about the whole world doesn't play gridiron football. They just don't, you know? Soccer football is international, which is why it's one of the biggest programs in the history of sport. But then skating's enormous. It's international, it's global, you know, and then surf is part of a community and culture and it's international. And I think as we have more facilities, more people will be able to participate in it. But it's also a culture and it's exciting to watch. There's a lot more lifestyle and culture to consume in this lifestyle sports category than traditional basketball or baseball Obviously, in nature, there's lifestyle and there's culture tied to all the traditional sports, tennis, soccer. I'm a fan, but I do believe that the board sport is a little more anchored against culture and storytelling, right, than the traditional sports, even though the traditional sports tell great stories through rivalries. That's what traditional sports has going for it. This team versus that team. I'm a fan of this club and you're not. So, like, let's have a conversation and, like, really tune in and watch the game live. I understand that, but I do believe that surf, skate, and snow is more international in a participate in a participation level than you know US pastimes. So I'm excited to see where the sport goes internationally, not just as it relates to the United States. Okay. Okay. Cause I, I know there are, you know, there's a difference. It's uh more accepted in Australia. And I mean things are changing now with the with you know with being in the Olympics and everything. But period. That's part of the as, and so Brandon, you've given us so much to think about and absorb. Yeah. <laughs> There's a little bit of a delay in uh, processing all that, but it's uh, you, you've been a fantastic well of information and insight. And uh, 
thank you very much. I really appreciate that. No, I appreciate the opportunity to be part of the conversation. Yeah, thanks. Yeah, it's it's great. You're contributing so much to the conversation. This is this is wonderful. As we as we close out, though, I I'm going to put you on the spot, like I tried to do earlier, but you um, you're too smart for that. So let's uh, what I'm I'm going to put you on the spot and ask you which project, which wave pool project, are you most excited about right now? One that will open in the next few years. Where do you want to go surfing? I don't think it's about a particular project. I think it's about a particular business model. You have to pick one. So well, 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 I'm going to give you the category. I'm, I'm, I'm really excited to see what they've done in Brazil because they've made an enormous community initiative with the surf pool as a critical anchor. That's fascinating to me. It's a great pool. It's, you know, it's the American Wave Machine System. We've seen a lot of content out on it. It's fascinating. Uh, it's a high quality product and it's part of a mixed use development. There's been a couple other projects that have bubbled up and fizzled or paused or still in motion, but the team down in Brazil, they have done it and they're still doing it. And that's exciting because I think it's going to validate a business model. And I'm excited to see more of that go to market. Oh, are you talking about the Boa Vista yeah. and, uh, Okay, the with the perfect swell technology. Yeah, yeah. Okay. I mean, that's, yeah, I mean, they got equestrian, they got tennis, they got golf, they have luxury, opulent resort properties, you know, they have a surf pool, they're real community family centric, you know? So I think there's going to be a lot more of those. I think this is a great case study, but there's going to be more of those things popping up. There are, there are plenty under development now. That's just one that has public content. So I'd like to, really applaud that one because again they had to commit and they have from raising money to getting improvements to getting entitlements to building the thing to running it to sharing content to really being vulnerable and i got a lot of respect and appreciation for that i'm also excited to see surf tech integrated into traditional high performance training centers whether it's at the img academy down in florida or the olympic training center down in chula vista in san diego or the high performance centers in australia and throughout europe I, I'm, a, I'm a believer that this is now organized sport. And with the introduction and adoption by the Olympic team, this is part of international sport going forward, right? And so I'm excited to see athletes have the opportunity to spend time at high-performance training facilities in a high-performance environment with other high-performing athletes because that buzz is contagious, right? So when you have that type of atmosphere with those performance athletes and a medical team and high nutrition and like all those things that really feel a high performance athlete that's that's unbelievable so i'm 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 i'm, I'm, I'm really excited to see the surf techs plural integrated into what are traditionally called high performance training centers not to say that all surfers need to aspire to become a high performance surfer but to have the opportunity to pursue that pathway it's fascinating, and I think it's going to be well received. Wow! And and you're going to be there when it happens. You're going <laughs> to sure. go. You'll you'll be front run center. Totally. I'll either be there myself, or sending my kids there, or doing everything I can to finance other kids and athletes to get the opportunity to spend time there. And I, uh, dude, I'm sold. I'm I'm so committed, invested. <laughs> I'm 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 a I'm a I'm a deep believer in it for sure. Right on. Well, well, thank thank you so much, Brandon. I I learned heaps, and uh, thank you so much for for taking time out of your day and uh, your your role at USA 
serving to uh to to talk with us i'm grateful to be a part of it please let the listeners know that they can contact me about anything anytime yeah okay. i i, I want to be available so um okay let me know Great. what i can do to be helpful okay and what's the best way to to do that through uh usa surfing yeah my email is it's brandon b-r-a-n-d-o-n brandon at usasurfing.org excellent that's really generous of you to to put that out there and yeah. i'm sure you'll hear from uh, our listeners grateful <laughs> cool. thank you for the opportunity right on thank you brandon yes sir Thank you.